1: your Bibles, I want you to open them up, please, to the book of Romans. And we're going to look in Romans chapter 12. We're talking about our our pathway to victory. And uh, that's kind of a, a twofold statement, if you will. Uh, yes, first of all, it is the pathway to to Victory Church and the steps of Victory Church and what we are intentionally trying to do every single Sunday and every single week and every single month and, uh, and, and every single year and how we're trying to build our church. And we even talked some about this even in Class 101 this past Tuesday evening, trying to reiterate what it is we're trying to do and how we do that. And in Class 101, we were talking about some of our statements and some of our strategies and our methods and what we do and why we do it. Uh, and so this kind of goes right along with that the pathway to victory. But also, I think there is a second meaning. Guys, do you realize that that you can be a born-again believer, you can be a Christian and never really live a victorious Christian life? I mean, living out God's perfect will and plan for your life. I mean, there's a lot of folks that, man, they just use Jesus as a a fire escape, if you will. Uh, Just pray the prayer and accept Christ as their Savior and just in hopes that they miss hell and can go to heaven. But God has so much more in store for you than just a fire escape, correct? He he has a victorious life he wants you to live. And I think when we find the center of God's will for our life, when we grow in our faith which is what we're talking about today, discipleship, when we grow in our faith and grow in our walk with the Lord, I believe then we start living a life of victorious Christian living, which is a picture of what the children of Israel were when they went over into the land of Canaan, when they crossed the Jordan and went over. That's not a type of heaven. That's a type of victorious Christian living. Because if you tell me it's a type of heaven, there's somebody I know we're going to see in heaven Right? Moses, but did he get to the promised land? No. He, remember, he's on this side of Jordan, and he didn't get over there. So it's a type of victorious Christian living, not necessarily a type of, of heaven, and we can debate that another day. That's not my point this morning. My point is for us to understand some some pathways, some a pathway, or some steps that we need to be taken in our life so that we can move into the realm of victorious Christian living. And the first step we talked about a few weeks ago was was the the step of worship, to be able to come in and and engage in worship and and really connect with God and with each other and and, and really connect in a spirit of worship. And that's the first banner on the back wall there that says that we're to honor, that we honor God. The second one is that we connect. And that's where last week I talked to you about fellowship that's the the second step. Today I want to talk to you on how, look at the third banner, look what the verb is. Everybody look, it's a four letter word, let's say it together. What is it? Grow. That is discipleship. Now notice it says grow. A lot of times people think that discipleship means I've I've just got to get head knowledge of the word. I just need to memorize more of the word, I need to know the stories of the Bible, I need to understand, you know, get this head knowledge of the word. But discipleship is so much more than just knowledge of Scripture. And that's what I want to try to, uh, to unpack for you this morning and talk to you briefly about when we get into this area of, of discipleship. In Romans chapter 12, in verse number 1, I want you to look at this passage of Scripture. It says, Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, And this is your spiritual worship. And do not be conformed to this age, but be... And if you underline in your Bibles or or highlight on your iPad, your iPhone, or whatever device it is you're using to see God's word this morning, I want you to underline, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I think that's important. There's the transformation... That needs to take place in our life. And when transformation begins to take place in our life, when we are changed from the inside out, then I believe discipleship and growing in Christ is starting to take place. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you may discern what is the good and pleasing and perfect will of God. What is God's will? Oftentimes, as a pastor, folks will come up to me and say, Pastor, I'm really struggling to discern and find out what God's will is for me. And God's will is for you to be transformed into his likeness. God's will for you is to become more like him. Matter of fact, that's what discipleship is. Discipleship is the process. Get this now. Discipleship is the process of making us like Christ. Okay? Now, whenever I say that, Please don't misunderstand me because there are enough occults that are out there that are teaching that we become little gods, okay? I'm not saying you're going to become a little god. I'm not saying you're going to have your own little universe one day. I'm not saying that you're going to manipulate things and be in control of things. I'm saying whenever you become like Christ, I'm not saying you're, you're going to become another Christ, I'm saying you're going to be like him in your character and in your attitude and in your mindset. And that is a growing process. I mean, think about our children, how we have to grow them, not only physically, but how we, how we hopefully teach and instruct them so they can mature to become a responsible adult. The same thing is true in our spiritual walk. We've got to grow in Christ. It's, it's simply not enough. Just to pray a sinner's prayer and accept Christ, listen, that's all well and good and that's great and I think everybody needs to do that, but I want you to understand, that's only the beginning. That's the starting point, okay? I mean, that's when they just fired the gun and now it's time to go, right? It's time for us to grow in our faith. So discipleship is the process of making us like Christ. So whenever I say the word process, what does that look like? What is the process? Well, I think I'm going to share with you today, if we're going to be like Christ, which the Bible says in Romans 12, that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, this transformation is to take place in our life. And if we're to become more like Christ in our character and attitude, then the process that we are going to go through to become that is going to be synonymous to the process That our Lord went through. So we're going to look at the life. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here briefly this morning. And we're going to see some of the process. That he went through. Not that he had to become. I mean he is and was God. Okay I understand that. I'm not saying he wasn't. But I'm saying he went through some things. And if Jesus went through some things. Then we are going to have to go through. A lot of those very same things. In order to become like him. In our character. In our attitude. In our mindset. Are you guys tracking with me this morning? Are you with me here? There's a process that takes place in our life as a child of God. Now listen, if you don't get a hold of this, listen, if you, listen church, if you do not get a hold of this principle today, then you're going to wind up being a very bitter Christian. You ever, you ever run across bitter Christians? Man, they're just bitter. I mean, they're just nasty, Right? Hello. So I see some raising eyebrows. You, I think you know what I'm talking about, right? How many have seen a bitter, your path has crossed, nobody in this church is bitter, and I'm talking about your path has crossed with a bitter believer, a bitter Christian. Raise your hand. Have you seen it? Man, I have. And you know what? You know what I understand? I really start having sympathy for them because they just don't understand the process, Because their heart's not right, their attitude's not right, their mind's not right, the transforming takes place where? In our mind, which we got to read from the scriptures and get understanding and then let the mind start transforming now the heart and the soul of man. And once we understand the process and once we understand these things that are taking place in our life, it really helps us to see God at work in our life. Now I'm going to share a passage of scripture with you that a lot of people struggle with. And it's Romans 8.28. I want you to go there. Romans 8.28. I think I even have it on the screen. I think I've got a lot of slides today because I'm kind of in this teaching mode. And I really want you guys to get this. Man, I wish the church was packed today. And I was so disappointed when I saw they were calling for snow and for sleet and, and all this kind of different stuff around here. Because I was afraid that a lot of folks wouldn't be able to make it. There's a lot of people that need to hear this message today. So you help me get it to them. We'll have it on the podcast. We'll get it out there. Let's, let's help... Let's help relay this message out to family, friends, and people that you know that may be struggling in their walk with the Lord. Romans 8 and 28. Let's read this verse together. It's on the screen. we all can read it together. We know that, are you reading with me? Here we go. Let's read it together. Everybody together. Here we go. We know that some things, Whoa, oh, whoa, 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 I didn't read that correctly, did I? We know that, what's that next word? All things. All things. Now, let's read it again. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. Now, we're talking about all things. Notice it did not say that we know that some things work together for the good. It says that all things work together for the good. Now, it did not say that all things are good. Understand that? A lot of people have this mindset, boy, if I accept Christ, and I've got, I've got this beautiful bed of roses now, and man, I have no more pain, no more trials, no more heartache, and, and I just love Jesus, and, and, and it's all good, and, and I'm wealthy, and I'm rich, and I'm wise, and, and I have no trials. Listen, I don't know who told you that lie. Hello? There's a lot of people making a lot of money on Christianity with people that are investing in this false hope of health, wealth, prosperity. You'll never be sick. You'll never be poor. You'll have it all. Jesus loves you. It's all good. This is my Bible. It is what I... Hello. (laughs) If you know who I'm talking about, you know where that statement was going. Is anybody with me today? Drawing massive crowds... Massive conferences, a lot of conferences all across the nation today. And when I see these, mm, the shepherd in me gets angry when I see my sheep being led astray by heretics that are after nothing but your money in hope that you can have heaven on earth. Are you with me this morning? Listen, guys, this isn't heaven. Hello? Hello? We're going to a place where there'll be no sickness. We're going to a place where there'll be plenty of wealth because God owns it all. Matter of fact, the streets are paved with pure gold. The walls are of jasper. The gates are solid pearl. Hello? I mean, we're going to a place and and there's going to be created for us this beautiful place called heaven. But newsflash everybody, look to your neighbor right now and say, We're not in heaven. You know, it's almost like you look to Dorothy and say, We're not in Kansas anymore, right? Listen, this is not heaven. Now, can we have peace while we're here living in this? This this is a falling, cursed world that we live in today. There's pain all around. There's sickness all around. There's discouragement all around. But I want you to know that God uses, get this, God uses what? All things. We know that all things work together for good those that love God even the bad things oh yeah you know whenever I think about this passage of scripture and I'm going to try to get through this today And, and uh, oh, man I've got a solid 30 minutes left so I may, be, I may be able to get through this whenever I think about this verse of scripture you know what my mind goes to my mind goes back to when my wife goes into the kitchen and she gets out the, the flour and the Crisco or the lard and, and she starts making some homemade biscuits, yeah. right? <laughs> somebody, somebody likes that. You know, those homemade biscuits. Now, now, I love homemade biscuits. Man, they're put in the oven and those things rise and they, if they let them stay in long enough which is a huge debate in our house on how long they should stay in, but if they, they stay in long enough, they get golden brown, there's a little bit of a, a crunch, a crust on the outside and, and, and it's light and fluffy on the inside and man, Don't those biscuits sound good? Wow, wonderful those biscuits are when they come out of the oven. But let me ask you this. I love biscuits when all the ingredients are put together and it's put into the oven. But there's no way I'm going to the pantry and I'm going to open it up and I'm going to reach in there and get me a handful of self-rising flour and eat it by itself. Why? Because that is not good. Nor will I go and reach my hand into a bucket of lard you guys know what lard is? Maybe I shouldn't use that. A Crisco. If I reach and, and get some of that, oh, man, I'm not going to eat that. Why? Because what? That is not what? Good. And then they'll put butter on it, and they'll put, get us a little piece of butter and put it right on top, and, and they'll melt that biscuit a little bit and melt on that biscuit. But I'm not going to go to the refrigerator and get a stick of butter and put it in my mouth and eat it like I eat a Butterfinger or a Fifth Avenue right? I'm not going to, it's nasty, it's not good. But I tell you, when you bring all those ingredients together, and you put them in the oven, which sometimes we are put in the oven of life, are you tracking with me? And you put all that together, when it comes out, man, that's good. Whenever i read Romans eight twenty eight, that's really what I picture in my mind. That's what I'm seeing. We live through a lot of stuff in our life that's not good. We endure a lot of things in our life that's simply not good. Would you agree? There's pain, there's heartache, there's trials, there's a process that we are going through. But I want you to know that there is one who is sovereign. There is one who is in control and there is one who uses all things for good so that the process of discipleship would take place in our life and we would no longer be this immature baby in Jesus Christ but we grow to be this mature child of God living a victorious Christian life because we have not become a bitter person we have become a better person in jesus because we understand the process that we've had to go through to get to the place where i'm now mature as a child of god and listen guys you'll never get to the state of maturity without going through the process what's the process man i've talked a lot about this what's the process just and i don't even know if i have a slide for this maybe i do but i believe there's some unexpected tools that god uses to take us through the process. I'm going to give you three of them. I believe there are three things that God uses to take us through the process. Throw it up on there. Is it up there? Gethsemane, the garden. I believe he uses the garden. I believe he uses the desert. And I believe he uses the cross to take us through the process to become a mature believer in Jesus Christ. So there's three places where I know, get this, Oh man, you gotta get this. If you don't understand this, if you miss this as a, now I'm speaking to Christians today, okay? That's who I'm talking to. If you miss this as a child of God, then you'll wind up a bitter, angry, discouraged, want nothing to do with church, nothing to do with God, nothing to do with people. You'll end up with being that type of a person. You'll be bitter and nasty. You, you, You will have lost your joy. You will think, why can't it be like it used to be? Well, the reason being, you've been going through the process and your heart wasn't prepared, your attitude wasn't prepared. You thought you had knowledge, but it just stayed right here. It did not get about eight inches on down into the heart. And now you've become a bitter believer. And God's churches all across America are filled with bitter Christians every single Sunday morning. And I believe the reason is they've gone through the process and didn't understand what was taking place. The process is called discipleship. And if if discipleship is for us to become more like Christ, then we got to look at the journey and the path that he walked. And understanding, if God allowed his son, his only son, to walk this path and go through this process, why should I be exempt from walking this path and going through this process? Hello? I want you to get this, guys. God's going to take you to a garden. Now, he'll take you to, he'll take you to these places one at a time. You won't, you won't really experience it. Maybe you will, but you'll experience these mainly in, in, by themselves on different occasions. But he'll take you to a garden, and he'll take you to a desert, and he'll take you to a cross. And when you start understanding what God is doing in your life, then I think you can start growing as a child of God. And realize what he's doing. So, let's get to number one. Here's the first step in the process. Now, I'll just put them in these order. And it's kind of the order that, um, that we see here in the scripture. But it may be in different orders in your life. But the first thing I want you to see is how God uses trouble to teach us to trust him. Now, that's the garden. Okay? That's Gethsemane. God uses trouble to teach us. To trust Him. Now this word trouble is often times in Scripture called trials, called afflictions. But it's trouble. It's hard places that we get through. It's trouble that we get through. Now I want you to understand... That this trouble or these afflictions or these trials that we go through, they are situations, get this, that are designed by God himself to draw us closer to him. You understanding this? You got to let this sink in, guys. This process, which is the garden, are troubles that God is using to teach us to trust him. Okay? Okay? I want you to look in your Bibles in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. Romans 5, 3 and 4. Now this is a step in the process, one of the first steps in the process. I want you to see how God is more concerned about building character in you than he is giving you comfort. Hello, we live in a world that just wants his comfort. And he gives us comfort with Barbara's family and the passion of her brother and with uh, uh, Linda and Daryl's uh, friend, Rick's family. God gives comfort when a loved one passes. Thank God for that. But he's more concerned about our character than he is about our comfort. He's more concerned about our character than he is our career. And God does bless us. And he allows us to move through life and get good jobs so we can take care of our family. And he has blessed many of you with wonderful careers. And that's all well and good. But I just want you to understand, God is more concerned about what? Talk to me, church. You're what? Character. Say it together. Character. Again. That's what he's concerned about. So in order to grow you in character on who you are on the inside, he allows you to go through some trouble so he can teach you to trust in him, so he can build character in you, so you can become a child of God that's growing spiritually and mature in the Lord. Now, let's look at this verse in Romans chapter 5, 3, and 4. Man, this is good stuff. You need to, you need to stay with me here. Romans 5, 3, and 4. It says, We also rejoice in our afflictions, Now, wait a minute, time out. How in the world do we rejoice in afflictions? What are afflictions? The trials, the troubles, hard times. And the Bible says rejoice. Listen, only when you have the proper mindset and only when your heart is where it needs to be can you rejoice in afflictions. If you're not, you'll get bitter, you'll get angry. You'll get over there like Elijah under juniper bush, and you'll say, God, why me? What have I done to deserve this? i tell you what you've done. God loves you, and he wants to grow you. So he's going to allow trouble to come into your life so he can teach you to trust in him. And once we understand the process, now we can look around and start rejoicing a little bit because we see God at work in our life, even through the afflictions, the trials, and the troubles. Are you with me, guys? I don't know it may be hard to understand, but this is good stuff. Rejoice, the Bible said. Is the Bible true? Do we believe that this is the word of God? Do we believe this is inspired, infallible, inerrant, the God-breathed, Numa Word of God? Yes. You know what he says in Romans 5? He tells us that we are to rejoice in our affliction. Well, then he tells us why we should rejoice. Rejoice also in our affliction. Because we know that, get this, affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character. And proven character produces hope. In other words, for the word afflictions, put in trouble. Trouble produces, and for endurance put in patience. Trouble produces patience. And patience produces character. And character produces hope. Now I can start rejoicing because I can see that God is working in my life and he is using the trouble in my life to teach me to trust in him. Now understand this. God, once again, is more concerned about what you are than what you do. He's far more concerned about the person that you are than he is about what you do. Now I'm not saying he doesn't care about what we do. Certainly he does. I'm just saying he cares more about developing the character <clears throat> in us than anything else. And guys, I tell you, if you don't understand this, life just isn't going to make sense. What's our example? Our example is Jesus. I want you to see that Jesus went through many troubles. Would you agree? Many troubles, many trials while he was in this life. And the greatest, I believe, the greatest trial that he went through was the night before his crucifixion when he's there in the Garden of Gethsemane. And there is, he's praying and it says that his sweat became as great drops of blood and he's pouring out his heart. His heart was literally crushed. He submitted to the will of God, the Father, that day. But right there is where the trouble, where he gave us the example that we are to live by. In his trouble, in his affliction, in his <clears throat> trial, he taught us how to trust God. Now, did Jesus go through some hard places right after the garden? Sure he did. The next day and what was taking place and the following weekend was huge. But did he come out victorious? We all know the answer, yes. But did he have to go through trouble to give us the example on how we can trust God? Yes, and he did that, I think, for each each of us. Look, if you will, in Mark chapter 14, in verse 32, and 34, and 35, and 36. I'm just, going to, I'm just going to glean some there. Mark chapter number 14. The Bible says, Then they came to a place named Gethsemane, and he told his disciples, Sit here while I pray. Now, here's one thing I just want to, I want to note from the very beginning. Jesus had his inner circle of Friends. And then he had the disciples, the other disciples, but he had these three that went with him. That was his inner circle of disciples. And then he had the other disciples, and then he had, he had the, the great multitudes that followed him, but, but he went through some of the troubles in his life with his friends. And guys, let me tell you something. That's why it's so important that every single one of you get connected in a small group. You can't go through life by yourself. You'll, you'll lose heart. You'll get discouraged. You need somebody praying with you. You need somebody walking through the troubles and the trials of this life with you. Listen, guys, everyone should get in a small group. If for no other reason, than there's many more reasons, you should get in there because when troubles come, you're going to need somebody. Hello? Jesus needed somebody to pray. Now, unfortunately, their humanity really set in and they fell asleep, (laughs) which is probably what most of us do a lot of times when somebody gives us a prayer request. Will you pray? Yeah, I'll pray. (laughs) (laughs) We totally forget about it. But Jesus needed some friends here, and I think that's why it's important. But he said, sit here while I pray. Now, I want you to understand that the stress and the anguish came over him so much In verse number 34, he says, my soul is swallowed up in sorrow, even to the point of death. But I want you to notice how Jesus responded to the trouble. Look, if you will, in verse number 36, he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I, I will, but what you will. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. You see, that's the first lesson I think we need to understand and we need to see right here. God's able to do all things, right? And it's okay to disagree with God and not like the trouble that you're going through. But at the end of the day or the end of that prayer or end of that time, you pouring out your heart to God as Jesus was, you need to get to the point where he got and said, okay, God, it's not about me. That's really what Jesus was saying. Life is not about me. And that's a message that many of us need to hear. It really isn't about you. It really isn't about me. Hello? I know that. People don't like to hear that. In this consumer mentality world, in this health, wealth, and prosperity world, people don't want to hear, what, it's not about me? Hello? Wake up. No. (laughs) It's not about you. It's about God developing godly character in you so you can reach and influence your friends and family and co-workers and neighbors for Christ so that one day we all can go to heaven where there we're free of pain and trials and heartache and trouble, but we're gonna have it while we're here. And he came to this place and he said, not my will, but your will. And here's what he did. He surrendered to God's plan for his life. And he did that as he was going through trouble. And he gave us an example on how we trust God in the midst of our trouble. if you're going to become like Jesus Christ, then you must learn to trust God completely. Even when all things look terrible and it looks like everything's falling apart. We ever been there? Man, you look around in your life and it seems like the world is crashing in on you. We need to learn to trust God through that. It's not my will, but your will be done. I've got some action points on some things we can do with that, but but I'm not going to have time to, to get into those. Let me give you the second thing. And this is the pathway of discipleship, if you will, that God gives us. Not only does God use trouble to teach us to trust him, but secondly, God uses temptation to teach us to obey him. God uses temptation to teach us to obey him. Now, I think it's it's very important that we be really, really, really clear here about the definition of temptation. And I think I've got it on the screen for you here. Temptation's are situations designed, maybe I don't, by Satan. Yeah, I do. Temptations are designed by Satan, and they are intended to harm us. Okay? That's the definition of temptations. Listen, God never tempts you to sin. That never comes from God. He would test us often to grow us in character. But he will never tempt us to sin. That comes from from Satan, and his intent is to destroy you, ultimately. And he, he does it by baby steps, and he'll get you to succumb to this little temptation, and this little one, and this little one. All of a sudden, now you're further down the road to sin than you ever thought you'd ever be, and now it's almost, you, people have lost Lost family, lost homes, lost jobs, lost careers, lost everything because they said yes to the very first little temptation and it took them farther than they ever wanted to go. It kept them longer than they ever wanted to stay. Temptations are designed by Satan and the intent is to get this church, destroy you. Understand that? Okay? This is the second process. The first process is the garden where there's going to be what? Troubles. That's going to do what? Teach us to trust. The second process is a desert where there are going to be temptations. And the temptations are there to teach us now to obey. Remember, I said in Romans 8.28, I didn't say, the Word of God says, Romans 8.28, that all things work together for good. Can God even take a temptation that Satan may have intended for you to, to destroy you and harm you, can God take that and make it good? Sure he can. He does that all the time. But I want you to know that temptations are designed by Satan. God never tempts you to do evil. Do I have chapter and verse for this temptation, this pathway that Jesus walked? Matthew chapter 4. I don't have time to unpack all this. It's 1121. I've got a few more minutes here. I want you to get this. The desert. Jesus was led to the desert to be tempted by Satan. I'm not even going to get into all the temptations. But I want you to know that every single one of us are tempted. And one thing I want you to understand about temptation is that I want you to remember that it is not a sin to be tempted. Understand that? It is not a sin to be tempted. Was Jesus tempted? Yes. Did he sin? No. It is not a sin to be tempted. The sin comes when we give temptation a second thought and then we start indulging in it. Now it's sinful. But the initial thought or the initial temptation or the initial fiery dart that Satan shoots our way called a temptation. And the intent is, talk to me, what's the intent of this temptation? To what? Destroy us, to harm us. That's the intent. But God can use, God can use temptation to do what? To teach us to what? Obey. You remember in Scripture where the Bible says that obedience is better than sacrifice? Obedience is huge. And what does God often use to teach us to obey Him? He'll often use Satan's scheme and devices of temptation where Satan's intent is to destroy us and God says in Romans 8, that all things work together for good. Now, I can use that in a way to teach you to obey because with every temptation, the Bible says, there is a way of escape. Okay? Guys, do you realize? Now, hold on to this statement. And this, this causes... <laughs> This can cause some huge theological debate. I love to kind of drop this on on uh, on young preachers going into the ministry, and I'll, I'll throw this out there. And do you do you do you realize that we as humans have the potential of living a sinless life? That's fun to debate. But the Bible says, with every temptation, there is a way of escape. In other words, with every temptation, you get to make a choice. And the choice is, do you love God and obey God more than you love the temptation? That's what the choice is. So God went out, or Jesus went out into the desert, led out by the, in, the, in the desert in Matthew chapter 4, and there he was tempted, and all these temptations that Satan came really to destroy him, God over, Jesus overcame those because he chose to obey the word of God more than the, the temptation, and guys, that's where we've got to get in this process of discipleship. Every single one of us are going to be tempted on a daily basis, especially If you have really decided to follow Jesus and go to the front lines and grow in your faith and you're really getting very, very intentional about serving God and you're really trying to grow in your faith and grow in the Word, I promise you, Satan does not like that. The good thing is he is not omnipresent, but he'll unleash all the demons of hell on you to try to get you to fall into temptation. Every single one. The, matter of fact, the Bible also says, and this is not a message on the temptations. I got a whole message on that. But your they are common. You say you just don't understand what I'm tempted with. Yeah, I do. We're all tempted with that. Well, no, no, no. You don't. Not Hello. Listen. Remember, it's not about you. We're kind of all in this together, right? <laughs> are you with me, church? So, in the temptation, God is using that because He uses all things for good to teach us how to obey. Huh. Can I share with you two things that I think you need? Now I'm going to share with you two action points here that I think you need. That's two things that will help you in facing temptation. And I want you to jot this down. I can't remember if I have it on the screen or not. I want you number one, keep focused on good thoughts. Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 8 says fix your thoughts on what is true and good and right. Keep focused on good thoughts. I'm talking about trying to overcome the temptations that Satan throws your way. And his temptations come to try to destroy you. And one way that we can overcome those temptations is to keep focused on good thoughts. Okay? Guys, you realize there are two things or two thoughts you cannot keep in your mind at the same time? And I promise you that try it. I, matter of fact, I give you, 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 go, you prove me if I'm wrong on this. Two thoughts, I promise you, cannot stay in your mind at the same time. One is the thought to succumb to the temptation. And the other is the thought to love and obey God. You can't think on both of those at the same time. Now you can process here and then process here and process here or back here. But you can't bring them together and think about them at the very same time. I mean, if you're you're thinking about succumbing to the temptation, then God really right now at that point is the furthest thing from you. But if you're really thinking about loving God and obeying him, that temptation is nowhere close to you. So whenever we are entertaining a temptation, I want you to get this picture that God is far from you. Because he says in his word that he will not look on sin. Hello? Are you with me, church? So keep focused on good thoughts. The second thing is, I think we need to find and get a spiritual partner. In Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10, it says you're better off to have a friend than to be all alone if you fall. Your friend can help you up. Listen, we need spiritual accountability partners. We need need somebody in our life that that we can call and say, hey, man, I'm really struggling right here. Can you just pray for me today? And you don't even have to unpack what the struggle is. But if you're close enough in this relationship, maybe you can unpack what the struggle is. But you've got somebody that you can call on right now and say, hey, will you help me through this thing? Will you pray for me right now? Man, I need your prayers right now. Shoot them a text just say pray. I'm tempted to share a code word that my son, I just found out I had yesterday with a buddy of his, but I won't share it. (laughs) Build a code word and just text the code. There's the code word. Man, if I ever text you this word, you know I need you to pray, okay? Whatever you gotta do, build this spiritual partnership with someone. I wanna ask you a question. What temptations are you facing right now? We face them every single day. What temptation are you facing? And I want you to see this is your desert. And this is what God is using now to teach you how to obey him. Let me give you the third one and I'm gonna be done with this one. Man, I could, really, I could, I could almost make this a three-part ser- sermon series and really dig deeper in each one of these. But this third one I want you to get, God uses trespasses to teach us to forgive. Now I want you to see how God uses trouble To teach us to trust, that's the garden. God uses uses temptations to teach us to obey. That is where? The desert. But now we're at the cross. And God's going to use the cross in your life as well. Where we see that God uses trespasses to teach us to forgive. Now if trials, get this. Trials, who are the trials? The troubles we talked about in the first point? Who are they designed by? They're really designed by God. And they're really there to teach us to trust him. So if trials are designed by God to teach us to trust him, and by the way, in the example of Jesus in the garden, who was all that designed by? Who was it designed by? God. And when was it designed? Before the world was ever created. That was all part of his master plan. So the trouble and the trial that Jesus went through in the garden was all designed by who? I want you to get this. Who is it designed by? Talk to me. God. Troubles and trials in your life oftentimes are designed by God to teach you to obey. Now, the temptations, on the other hand, are designed by who? Satan. And the intent is to what? Destroy. Destroy. So if we have these trials that are situations that are designed by God to draw us closer to him and to teach us to trust Him, and we have these temptations, which are situations that are designed by Satan to draw us away from God, then I want you to see what trespasses are. What are trespasses? Trespasses are situations designed by other people to hurt us. Get this, guys. Man, I love that rain out there. Aren't you so thankful? That's not snow. Say amen. Woo! I love hearing that rain. But what are, what are these trespasses? Get this, guys. Trials are created by who? God intended to draw us closer to him. Temptations are designed by who? Satan intended to drive us away from God. But now we have trespasses. And who are they designed by? People in our lives. And the intent is to hurt us. You say, really? 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 You see, God's going to take you to a garden, and he's going to take you to a desert, but he's also going to give you a cross. And the reason he's going to give you a cross, he's trying to teach you something. What's he trying to teach you? He's trying to teach you how to forgive. You see, if God's going to teach you how to forgive, he's going to have to put you in a situation where someone's going to need forgiveness that only you can give. Wow, does that make sense? Guys, this is good today. I tell you, this is good stuff. And if you don't get a hold of this, you're going to be confused through all of life. You're going to be just beating around like a ping pong ball and have no idea what's going on and you're going to get bitter and angry and frustrated and you're going to quit and throw in the towel. Man, when you can start dissecting this and seeing what's going on in your life, you say, oh, that's God. God, I I see what's going on. Yeah, I got troubles and trials, but you're bringing that. you're in control. I'm just falling in love with you more and I'm falling on my knees. I'm drawing closer to you and he's going to see me through that. And then when the temptations come, oh God, I know exactly. This is Satan designed to harm me and, and, and to draw me away from you. Get thee behind me, Satan. I'm going to use the word of God There's a whole message you could do on, on how to overcome the temptations. But I'm getting away. I'm, I'm fleeing. I'm saying, get thee behind me, Satan. I have identified that. Get away from me. And I'm running as fast as I can to Jesus. But then what am I going to do with this? Trespasses. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. But I can guarantee you that every single person in this room today has been hurt by someone. Now you've either been hurt intentionally and there are those that set out to hurt you intentionally. I've had that in my 14 years. By the way, March would be 14 years that I've been here. Can you believe that? Kristen and I were filling out some paperwork the other day and we were filling out how long we've been here, what we've been doing and, and what happened. That's 14 years in March. Wow. That's a long time. But I know this, in my 14 years of ministry here, there have been people that walked in and out of these doors, and their intent was to harm me and hurt me and my family. I've seen it. But you've seen the same thing in your family. There's been people that set out to intentionally try to hurt you. And then there are those that, that unintentionally hurt you. They don't really mean to, it's just they didn't even really think about it, and all of a sudden now they did. But we've all been hurt, right? Can God use that? According to Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose to keep us right in the center of God's will. And he uses these trespasses to teach us how to forgive. I want you to know that this is a tough one. I'm going to read something I wrote in my notes here. Bearing the hurt of other people without retaliation is without doubt the most important and the most difficult step in becoming like Christ. You see, when the troubles and trials come, and I understand how they come, man, I, I run to Jesus and, and I can get through those. When the temptations come and man, I can see and I know how Satan works and I can see how he works so often Time in my own life and, and I'm aware of that, man, I can get thee behind me, Satan, and run to Jesus. But this one right here is the one that knocks me back a few steps. I mean, I stagger on this one. You know, I think about a big heavyweight boxing match, and you get that knockout, man, you stagger a little bit. And this is the one that buckles my knees from time to time. When people hurt me, and then I have to respond in a way, get this, that I do not retaliate, that I do not intentionally go after. It's the most important step, it's the most difficult step in becoming like Christ. Because, get this, it involves. Get this, to not retaliate, but to just simply say, Father, forgive them as Jesus did on the cross. They know not what they do. Father, forgive them. To just simply give forgiveness and move on without retaliation, it oftentimes, get this, and I wrote this in my notes, and as I wrote this, I'm thinking about situations in my life. I'm thinking about rumors that have been started about me. I'm thinking about criticism that's come my way. I'm thinking about punches that I've taken from people emotionally and spiritually and ministry. And by the way, they come. I can give you a story with each one of these, but oftentimes I'm the one that is misunderstood, being criticized, being judged, being hurt emotionally and verbally, all because I refuse to retaliate and just say, Father, forgive them. And here is, I was counseling with an individual the other day and I told this and this individual was all upset and rumors were starting on him and this and that and the other. And, and I told the individual, I said, listen, a lie will get up and run around the world three times before truth gets his boots on. Rumors will get up and fly and they'll go around the world three times before truth even gets out of bed. Are you with me, church? Amen. Rumors are gonna be started about you. Criticism's gonna come your way. People are gonna try to hurt you intentionally and unintentionally. And I've just decided, you know what? God, that's up to you. You take care of that. I'm not going to fight in all those battles. Hello? Are you with me, church? You know why? Because I understand the process. See, I am not going to stoop to that level and go out there and try to put out every little rumor and every little false thing about me and my family. I'm just going to step back and stay under the protection of the Lord and say, God, you take care of that. And in time, and sometimes it's years, but in time the truth comes out. Because I've had people come back to me and say, Pastor John, I, did, I had no idea. This is what I was told. This is what somebody said about you. I, I didn't have a clue. And I'm talking sometimes years later before they come back. And then those come back and not all of them will say this, but some of them will say, will you forgive me? Because man, I thought ill of you and I criticized you and I even helped spread those rumors about you. And yeah, I forgive you. Let me tell you why because I look to the cross and I see how much Jesus has forgiven me and that's how much I am to forgive others. Amen. Now this is the most difficult step but I know there's some of you that carry bitter and anger you've been hurt. You've got to understand the process, guys. It's not about you. You know what I told someone the other day listen i 'm just living my life i 'm trying to serve the lord i 'm trying to preach the word i 'm trying to lead this church and and in the midst of doing that there's people out there that are naysayers and critics and judgmental and throwing darts and and starting rumors and i, I listen I, I will not allow myself to go out there and engage in all that junk. I am not going to do it. say men old me, but look at me here, guys, and the same thing 's true of you i 'm not going to get out there listen. <laughs> I tell this one oftentimes to my wife. I got off the playground a long time ago. I'm not in middle school anymore. I don't play the middle school games. I don't play all that junk. If y'all want to play that play that stuff, I don't play that stuff. There's going to be people that intentionally try to hurt you. And then there's going to be those that unintentionally hurt you. What is God teaching us through that? These are the trespasses. You remember when Jesus... And man, I don't even have time to unpack the rest of this. Remember when Jesus was on the cross and the naysayers came by? I thought he said he was the son of God. If you are the son of God, save yourself. Get down off that cross. Don't you know his heart was breaking because he was up there and they didn't have an idea, didn't even have a clue that what he was doing was for them. If you are who you say you are, get off that cross. And they gambled around his feet over his garments and they mocked him and plucked his beard and put a crown of thorns, and made a mock trial out of him and tried to make him a spectacle and he opened not his mouth. You get in the picture? Father, forgive them. Forgive them. That's hard, guys. I'll tell you, that's hard. And I don't know where you are in this whole process. A lot of times we think about discipleship and we say, okay, a Bible study. And that's well and good. It starts there. We got to learn these principles from God's word. But discipleship isn't just about head knowledge of scripture. It's really about understanding this process of discipleship, of God doing that word right there, growing us to become like him. He's transforming us from the inside out. We're not to be conformed to this world. And he's using all things in our life for good. Romans 8, 28. But until we understand the process, man, we're going to be so confused in life. And we're going to have such a hard time in our Christian walk. So, three places I want you to always keep in your mind. And I'm going to be done with this message, I won't be coming back to it for a while. But I want you to know you will visit three places in your Christian journey. You will visit the garden, where there's going to be troubles and trials that will teach us to do what? To trust God. Then there's going to be temptations in our life. We're going to go to the desert. And there's gonna be those temptations in our life and they're there to teach us to obey God. And then there's gonna be a cross that we're gonna have to carry. And that cross are, are those times and those trespasses where God is teaching us how to forgive. And I don't believe you're ever closer to the heart of our Lord until you're at the place where you can look a brother or sister in the eye And you say, you know what? Yeah, that that caused me great pain and great grief. But I forgive you. And I love you. And let's move forward. And that's huge. That's the most difficult step. So get prepared, church. He will take you to the garden. He will take you to the desert. And he will give you a cross. Because he loves you way too much to leave you like you are. He wants to grow you in your character, so you become more like him. I wonder as every head is bowed and every eye is closed. And, and there's a lot of examples that I had in my notes that I wanted to try to give you, but I just didn't have time. If you'd like to have my notes on this, on this message, I'll be glad to email them to you. There's some more examples and stories and scripture in there that I just didn't have time to share that, that may be beneficial for you. What I wonder is every head is bowed and every eye is closed and right now let's just let this moment be about us individually and I want you to think about the process of discipleship that God is using to grow you to become more like him. Let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to pray. Let's just have a little concert of prayer here. And I'm going to pray, and I just want you to focus on the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, God, we come to you at this moment, this time, and as we look at our life, oftentimes, it makes so much more sense when we realize that life here on this earth is not about our comfort. It's not about our career. But it's about you developing our character so that we become more like the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray for this congregation this morning and even these that may be listening through the podcast. Right now, God, you're speaking to hearts. Lord, I pray that right now that you would help us to surrender to you. And God, I don't know where each person is in their life. Maybe there's some here that's in the garden and there's troubles and trials in their life. I just pray God whatever it is they're going through in the garden that they would learn how to trust you through that and how you promise us you'll never put more on us than we can bear and you'll never leave us, you'll never forsake us and God you're with us even when we're in the garden help us God to trust you there Father there may be some here today that's in the desert of temptation and I just pray God you teach them how to obey you And the choice that they make. And there may be some here that's just wrapped around some sinful practice. And they're being tempted by it. And they try to turn over a new leaf. And God, we know that doesn't work. It's only when we seek you and ask for forgiveness and ask for your strength. And get into your word and say, get thee behind me, Satan. And choose to obey rather than succumb to the temptation. I pray, God, you help whoever may be here today. Are listening today, that may be in the desert, give them power to overcome Satan because Satan's desire is to destroy us. And God, maybe there's some here that, that are just at the cross. They're at the cross in their life where, where people, the trespasses and the sins and the harsh words and the rumors and criticism and, and all that takes place of people is trying to hurt them, whether intentionally or unintentionally. God, I'm amazed how you put us in situations like this to teach us to become more like you. Help us, God, to learn to forgive. Oh, God, help us learn to forgive. And God, if there's one here today that does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, my prayer is that right now they'd give their heart and their life to you. And right now, dear God, that they would pray a prayer something like this, say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I believe I've sinned and I'm so far from you and right now I pray that that you would come into my heart and come into my life and be my Lord, be my Savior. I repent, I ask for forgiveness. Save me today God and grow me to be the man, woman, boy or girl that you've called me to be. I believe that you are the Son of God that you died on the cross for the sins of the entire world and even my sins that you were buried in the tomb and you came out victoriously the third day and You've ascended to the Father, God, I believe all that. And right now, I invite you into my heart and into my life. Maybe someone here needs to just rededicate, recommit their life to the Lord. The psalmist said, be still and know that I am God. And I've intentionally asked for no music here, Lord, and help us to be still, to focus on you. Maybe there's a Christian that just needs to rededicate, recommit their life to you today. Have your will and way in that life. Father, help us to recognize when we're in the garden. Help us to see when we're in the desert. And help us to be aware when we're at the cross. And help us to do what I think is the hardest thing to do for all of us to forgive without retaliating. Have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you all.
0: If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can call, email, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109 in O'Fallon, Illinois. Or come check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.